Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is November 30th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block. As you'll recall, 1 John and the epistles of John really are instructional letters all about God's love. This week we've been exploring how each of the themes that John talks about is an evidence of God's love, whether it's witnesses, whether it's commandments, whether it's our fellow men. All of these different things lead to the statement that John's going to make in chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Then in verse 19 of that same chapter, we love him because he first loved us. I love that statement that God is love. It makes sense that his greatest commandments center around love. If God is made up of this eternal love, then for us to change and to become more like him, for us to return to him, the conditions of that also have to be centered on love. But what is the love of God and what does it mean? In 2014, Elder Uchtdorf gave a talk called The Love of God, and in that he talks about God's infinite love for us. Listen to how he says it. Our Father in heaven has given us his children much more than any mortal mind can comprehend. Under his direction, the great Jehovah created this wondrous world we live in. God the Father watches over us, fills our hearts with breathtaking joy, brightens our darkest hours with blessed peace, distills upon our minds precious truth, shepherds us through times of distress, rejoices when we rejoice, and answers our righteous petitions. He offers to his children the promises of a glorious and infinite existence. If that is not enough reason to love our Heavenly Father, perhaps We can learn from the words of the Apostle John, who said, We love him because he first loved us. Why does Heavenly Father love us? Think of the purest, most all-consuming love you can imagine. Now, multiply that love by an infinite amount. That is the measure of God's love for you. God does not look on the outward appearance. I believe that He doesn't care one bit if we live in a castle or a cottage, if we're handsome or homely, if we're famous or forgotten. Though we're incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we're imperfect, He loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without compass, God's love encompasses us completely. He loves us because he is filled with an infinite measure of holy, pure, and indescribable love. We are important to God not because of our resume, but because we are his children. He loves every one of us, even those who are flawed, rejected, awkward, sorrowful, or broken. God's love is so great that he loves even the proud, the selfish, the arrogant, and the wicked. What this means is that, regardless of our current state, there is hope for us. No matter our distress, no matter our sorrow, no matter our mistakes, our infinitely compassionate Heavenly Father desires that we draw near to Him so that He can draw near to us. Since God is love, the closer we approach Him, 
the more profoundly we experience love. My friends, everything that God does, everything that he has ever done, centers around this deep love that he has for his children, for us. And his love is not conditional. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been. God loves us as his children. And everything that he does and everything that he is centers around that love. Now let's switch gears just a little bit into the Book of Mormon. Remember when Lehi had his vision? He had this vision of the tree of life whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And later, when Nephi is pondering about this vision that Lehi has, an angel comes to him and asks what he wants. Well, his desire was to understand the meaning or the symbolism behind the tree that Lehi saw. And listen to the answer. Now, what's interesting is that after Nephi says, yeah, I desire to know the meaning of the tree, the angel responds by showing him pictures out of the Savior's life. He shows him visions of the Savior's life. And after he sees these things, after he sees the birth of the Savior, the angel asks, do you know the meaning of the tree? And all of a sudden it becomes clear to Nephi that the meaning of the tree is the love of God, which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of man. How beautiful is that? That it was seeing the Savior's life. It was seeing the Savior's mission and ministry that helped Nephi realize the love that God has for his children. In fact, John teaches a very similar thing in John chapter 4, teaching about God's love. In verse 10, it says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for all our sins, meaning the atonement for all our sins. Or in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ and his life and his ministry and his atonement truly are the greatest manifestation of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. In his book, Sermons and Missionary Services of Melvin J. Ballard, Elder Ballard helps us understand what the love of God really means when it comes to the sacrifice of his son. He says, I ask you, what father and mother could stand by and listen to the cry of their children in distress in this world and not render aid or assistance? We cannot stand by and listen to those cries without it touching our hearts. The Lord has not given us the power to save our own. He has given us faith, and we submit to the inevitable. But he had power to save. And he loved his son and could have saved him. He might have rescued him from the insult of crowds. He might have rescued him when the crown of thorns was placed upon his head. He might have rescued him when the son, hanging between the two thieves, was mocked with save thyself and come down from the cross. He saved others himself he cannot save. He listened to all of this. He saw that son condemned. He saw him drag the cross through the streets of Jerusalem and faint under its load. He saw that son finally upon Calvary. He saw his body stretched out upon the wooden cross. He saw the cruel nails driven through the hands and feet, and the blows that broke the skin, tore the flesh, and let the life's blood out of his son. He looked upon all of that. In the case of our father, the knife was not stayed, but it fell, and the life's blood of his beloved son went out. The father looked on with great grief and agony over his beloved son. Even when there seems to have come a moment when our Savior cried out in despair, My God, 
My God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that hour, I think I can see our dear father behind the veil looking upon these dying struggles until even he could not endure it any longer. And like the mother who bids farewell to her dying child has to be taken out of the room so as not to look upon the last struggles, so he bowed his head and hid in some part of his universe, his great heart almost breaking for the love that he had for his son. Oh, in that moment when he might have saved his son, I thank him and praise him that he did not fail us. For he had not only the love of his son in mind, but he also had love for us. I rejoice that he did not interfere and that his love for us made it possible for him to endure to look upon the sufferings of his son and give him finally to us, our Savior and our Redeemer. Without him, without his sacrifice, we would have remained and we would never have come glorified into his presence. And so, this is what it costs, in part, for our Father in heaven to give the gift of his Son unto men. My friends, I testify that truly our Savior is the greatest evidence of God's love. And when we doubt that love, all we have to do is draw nearer to Christ, and we will feel it. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.